0: Hello and welcome to our second episode of Two Truths and a Lie, an NSMC podcast. Let's go over the ground rules. One at a time, each member of our allied education panel will state two truths and one lie about nephrology. This episode will focus specifically on peritoneal dialysis. The other panelists will then discuss which statement they think is the lie. Our presenter will then educate us all on which statement is incorrect and why. So let's warm up our lie detectors. Let's meet our three players for today. I'm your host, Dr. Maitri Shankar, Assistant Professor in Nephrology from Institute of Nephro-Urology, Bengaluru, India. And here is our second panelist, Dr. Carlo from the Philippines. Hi, Dr. Carlo, can you please introduce yourself?
1: Hi, everyone, I'm Carlo Trinidad. I'm a private practice nephrologist in the Gupan City in the province of Pangasinan, Philippines. I am very much into acute kidney injury and preventive nephrology.
0: Our third panelist is Dr. Brian Rifkin from the United States of America. Hello, Dr. Brian. Please introduce yourself.
2: Hi, I'm Brian Rifkin from Hattiesburg, Mississippi in the southern United States. I'm a private practice physician and also an interventional nephrologist.
0: Great. So let me start. I will give you my three statements. Statement number 1. Peritoneal dialysis is a good option for patients with diabetes mellitus. Statement number 2. The adequacy of peritoneal dialysis that is KT by V in obese patients is falsely low. Statement number 3. Infectious complications are very frequent in peritoneal dialysis patients.
2: Okay, so I'm going to start with the discussion here. And the first statement about peritoneal dialysis being a good option for diabetes, I do think that's true. I certainly have a number of diabetics who are on peritoneal dialysis and that do well. It can get a little complicated as a lot of the solutions do contain high glucose and therefore we need to adjust medications, but I still think it's a very viable option. Carl, what do you think about statement number two or statement number one?
1: Yeah, I think it's a misnomer for most of peop- most of the people because we do use um, dextrose solutions, so it's sugar. Sugar and diabetes are supposed to be not a good combination, but I think it's also a good option, especially for those with diabetes patients, especially since PD is, you know, a less morbid form of dialysis compared to hemodialysis when you, when you consider the, the many needles, the frequency, and the 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 way that we uh, hold the dialysis, hemodialysis, compared to the peritoneal dialysis where you just go uh, in your own house. So I think it's it's a very, really a very good option. I think this, the first statement is
2: true. The second statement about uh, KT over B being falsely low in obese patients, um, I know it's very challenging for overweight patients to do peritoneal dialysis. I'm not really sure about that one, whether that's true or false.
1: I think I remember back in training, uh, one of my mentors always always tell us that uh, in obese patients, it's falsely low, but I never seem to quite um, remember why. So I'm not sure about this. Um, I'm just um, sticking to what I remember, <laughs> my recollection that it is true, but I'm not sure why.
2: All right. And then statement number three about uh, infections being very frequent in peritoneal dialysis patients. Um, I guess it depends how you define very frequent, but I know it, the statistics tell us it's generally about once every 18 months to 24 months in the U.S., so I wouldn't say that's very frequent, but it is a very big concern for patients, but I think that statement is probably false.
1: Yeah. Well, if you compare it to hemodialysis, here in the Philippines, uh, we're mostly hemodialysis, and the, the number of patients that they get with um, catheter-related bloodstream infections very. Very frequent, very common compared to those who are on a PD catheters. So I think this is
2: also false. All right, Mithri, so it looks like we agree that number three is likely the false statement.
0: Yep, you got me. Uh, statement number three is false. Peritonitis, the most common infection among peritoneal dialysis patients, is actually quite rare. A large multicenter study by Pearl et al. published in the year 2020 demonstrated that among 7,000 patients across 209 facilities in 7 countries, there were just 2,272 peritonitis episodes during 7,800 follow-up years. So, this translates to only 0.28 episodes per patient year. In comparison, catheter-related bloodstream infections associated with uh, dialysis hemodialysis tunnel catheters were much more common at 1.1 to 5.5 episodes per thousand catheter days. So the risk of peritonitis can definitely be reduced with proper training and hand-washing techniques. Okay, so that was fun. Moving on to Dr. Carlo, can you give us your two truths and a lie?
1: Okay, it's my turn. So statement number one, Patients on PD have a lower risk of developing heart failure compared to their HD counterparts. Statement number two, PD is a better dialysis modality than hemodialysis. And the last statement, peritoneal dialysis is more expensive than hemodialysis in low and lower middle income countries.
2: All right, Mithra, you want to start this time?
0: As we all know, the primary indication for initiating uh, peritoneal dialysis would be for heart failure patients. So I think the first statement is true. Heart failure patients do very well on uh, peritoneal dialysis.
2: I would tend to agree with that. That It's more physiologic. Again, dialyzing every other day with hemodialysis tends to have more volume overload, which tends to stretch out the heart more and lead to more heart failure and valve issues. So you're right. I think one of the indications for peritoneal dialysis is uh, having significant heart failure.
0: Okay, so coming to statement number two, that is PD is a better dialysis modality than hemodialysis. Uh, There are uh, numerous studies comparing peritoneal dialysis to hemodialysis in terms of mortality and quality of life, but I don't think one modality has proven to be better than the other.
2: Yeah, so that's a tough statement again because it's very general in terms of being better. Uh, We could talk about things like cost, we could talk about mortality, we could talk about quality of life. Um, I know that, again, For me, it's really a patient preference. So I don't push one over the other. I do not believe that one really has an advantage over the other. Although when you look at certain subgroups, again, like diabetics, maybe in the first year, there might be a survival advantage in people on hemodialysis. But I agree. I think that that one's likely false.
0: Okay. Moving on to the third statement, peritoneal dialysis being more expensive than hemodialysis in low and lower middle-income countries. This may be true because in low- and lower middle-income countries, the preparation of PD fluid and the equipment for peritoneal dialysis may have to be imported. So I think this might be true.
2: Yeah, this is a tougher one for me. It's certainly cheaper in the United States uh, to do peritoneal dialysis only because the cost of people, the nursing and techs required for hemodialysis uh, and the cost of peritoneal dialysis in the fluid in the U.S. is relatively cheap because it's produced here. Um, so I'm not really sure about that one, but uh, it is potentially true. So it sounds like that we agree that likely it's the second statement, PD is better dialysis modality than hemodialysis is false. So Carlo, are we right?
1: Yes, you're very right. Now, le- I think we have to break it down. So the first statement is true. Heart failure would be a lower risk in patients with PD. It's uh, more gentle, results in lesser hemodynamic fluctuations and neurohormonal activation. And of course, the myocardial ischemia, unlike the, the ones we we definitely experience in our h. d. patients, um, the second one, again, this is a a motherhood statement, so it's really very hard, but uh, if you take it at face value, it, it, we don't have the, we don't have the exact data that says that p. d. is better than hemodialysis, and Brian uh, is is correct in saying that it it's a case- to- case basis, it depends. On the patient needing whether it's PD or HD, and um, letter C, uh, the the third statement is really more of situational as well. It tends to be true in low and lower middle income countries, especially here um, in the Southeast Asian countries. We are more PD centric, especially Thailand has their first PD first policy. However, in some other localities, maybe again the importation, the local production. And the supplies needed for PD might be more expensive. And so it's a regional um, thing, uh, whether it's um, more expensive or not. But generally, it is true. That was very fun. Okay. So I think uh, we have to move to
2: Brian. All right. So my three statements. Number one, doing peritoneal dialysis exchanges are time-consuming. Number two, peritoneal dialysis is not complicated and can be done by very elderly people. And people with disabilities. The number three, peritoneal dialysis patients can own pets.
1: Okay, I think I'm I'm going first this time. First statement. Well, time-consuming. Again, it's very tricky because, um, if you do pr- practice the the methodology of doing a PD, it may seem time-consuming. You have to carry the fluid. You drain. And then you wait, and then you drain again. Um, Yeah, I think it may be time-consuming from a different perspective. But I'm really not sure. How about you, Mitri? Is it time-consuming for you?
0: I definitely don't think so, because peritoneal dialysis allows you more time to spend with family and friends. You can go to work, or you can simply do what you love. Because you can perform dialysis outside of a dialysis center. Uh, Additionally, if you choose continuous cycling peritoneal dialysis, you will dialyze while you sleep and spend an average of three hours per week setting up and cleaning equipment. So I really don't think it is time consuming compared to hemodialysis.
1: Okay. Now for the second statement, I think this is definitely true. Um, I think that there has been a lot of progress in the, the way PD has been conducted. There are numerous systems from different brands. Uh, they have very uh, user-friendly um, interface. So I don't think, uh, unless you are really um, you have um, limitations, like for example, you're blind or you don't have your arms or hands, or amputees, then maybe it's difficult for you. But um, however, for the general population without those disabilities. I think you can do it um, very easily at home. If you, don't have, um, if you can't do it alone, you can have a companion to, to, to do it for you. So I think um, it's really not that complicated.
0: Okay, what I feel is although peritoneal dialysis may be challenging for people with certain disabilities like uh, blindness or amputation, this treatment may still be an option. With the help of a care partner, like what Carlos said, training and safety programs are now available to educate patients on how to perform it in a safe and effective uh, way. So I feel I don't think it should be problem for uh, elderly and patients with disabilities.
1: I agree. Now for the last statement, now this is um, definitely you can have pets. I, I know a lot of patients, PD patients, who have their pets. Um, We have to really clarify, though, that um, their pets shouldn't be in the room where they are performing their PD, right? So it should be very sterile as possible. But yeah, who are we to deny our patients their friends, their pets? (laughs) So this is true. They can own pets, right,
0: Mitri? Yeah, I agree with you, Carlo. Just they have to keep sure that the home and the designated treatment area is clean. So that should do. They can have pets.
2: Okay, so what I'm hearing from you guys is you think that statement number one is false, that peritoneal dialysis exchanges are time-consuming, and that is correct. Um, I like the fact that you guys did touch on the fact that uh, pretty much anybody can do PD. Some people might need more assistance if you have somebody in the home who can help you. It's something that's very easily be trained. Uh, Yes, you can definitely have pets, and Carl hit on it, that you have to keep it clean while you're doing the exchanges themselves. I did have, unfortunately, one patient who used their catheter as a cat toy, and the cat bit it, and the person ended up with pastorella. (laughs) An infection in their abdomen, so you do have to be careful with that at least and not use it as a cat toy. Uh, but you know, parotidal dialysis exchange, I agree, compared again to hemodialysis where you're stuck sitting in a chair for potentially four to five hours, this allows you much more freedom. So, when you're doing continuous ambulatory PD, it may be 15 minutes to put fluid in, and you have about three or four hours where you can walk around and go to the mall or go shopping, and then you go back and you drain for 15 or 20 minutes. And most people think that that allows them a lot more freedom to do things like visit with family and go out and do the things that they like to do, and really live their lives and even work. So we do tell people that we think that peritoneal dialysis is actually less of a time commitment, even though you do tend to do it every day. So you guys were correct. Statement number one is false.
0: Well, that was really helpful and informative. I would like to thank our panelists for participating today. Be sure to tune in next time for more format nephrology education. See ya.